Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Chris Canty feeling James Brown oh, right now. Oh, you gotta now. feel James In Brown, Frickie man. Jay. Now, now, do you hear James or do you listen to James? Do I hear him or do I listen to yeah. him? Yeah, you know, like Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, White Man Can't Jump. Do you hear James or do you listen to James? I hear Because there's a difference. I hear James. You hear him. I hear So you're not just listening to him, you actually hear him. I hear James. You feel, you feel oh, oh, it. Oh, yeah. So if you, if you hear James and you're feeling James, why, when they play it for the rejoin, are your hips and your arms not moving? You got a be, lot of things to do. You got, I understand got the mechanics of the show, Max. If you Nobody's going to play the world's if, smallest dialect. If you want, my, if you want my head to bop, you're going to have to play certain things. It'll be an involuntary but response. But James should be one of them, though, no, Max. No, the, the type I of need stuff you that gets my it. head to bop is, is, is stuff we can't play on nah, the that's radio. Fair, I, I see where you're going I, with that. So, you know, then you get me, you know. I got you. I got you. I got you. All right. Okay. I tried. Yeah, see? Now, now, now you're getting warm, Yates. Little now you're getting yeah. warm. By the way, do you remember from this era? I don't know. Chris, what year were you born? 82. All right. So, yeah, so you lived through that era. Of course. As a, okay. Of course. Because I love Mob Deep. Yeah. But the greatest one-two punch of all time for me. What's up? Is Ray and Ghost. Oh. <laughs> when, when <laughs> There's no question about it. That song there. on they the Mob Deep on this record. Yeah. Mob Deep's going along. Beat's good. They're good. And, you yeah. know, it's one of these, right? Yeah. Then Ray and Ghost get on. It's like Batman and Robin just hit yeah, the Yeah, the chef, the chef and the killer are a problem. It, a problem. They, they are a problem. <laughs> they were punching in and out like old, yeah. you know, like Run DMC or EPMD yeah. or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, for the cool kids that don't know what we're talking about, look out Raekwon and Ghostface Killer. Yeah, that was huh? that that uh, Cuban. That lit- was a time. That was a time. That was a time. That was the golden that was age, a time. 94, 5, yeah, 6. Like, yeah. yeah, the early 90s, that yeah. was a time, man. Mid, mid-90s. Early to the mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah, because that's when Nas jumped on the scene, yeah, too. Yeah. Jay-Z was kind of doing his thing, coming Q- out of the Cuban, shadow of big. Cuban Links is a, is a uh, Desert Island album for me. Yeah. You got five, you got to take to the desert. Cuban Links. Yeah. It's going, Cuban Links might be my number one draft pick. Nah, yeah. I don't know about that. You taking yeah. a seat? That's a bridge too far. No, it's not. That's a bridge too far. No, it's not. That's a bridge too far. Why, I'm not going go the there. The bridge to Staten Island? What are you talking about? The, 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 <laughs> the Verrazano? You, it's a ferry too the, far. The Gothels? No, no. Let me tell you something else while we're on the topic. <laughs> one of the most underrated rappers of all time, and I'm not afraid to say it. Who's that? No one agrees with me about this, but I, Noriega. Noriega, yeah. Only, if you listen to to, to A Z, yeah, you hear like the 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 fat like where Nori the beginnings of Noriega, right? Yeah. But he took that whole thing. Anyway, we could do a whole hip hop show, Chris. I'm we sure. could, yeah. but that's not what we're doing today. Speaking of, you know what this reminds me of? Talking about Ghost and Ray and Noriega and all these guys. What's that? Mac Jones. How the hell do you make Jones. that leap? It's just like right next door to it, right? From, from, Rayquan, from Bill Belichick. From Raekwon to, to, to Oh, don't step on McCor- the joke. That's McCorkle the joke. Jones? That's the joke. It's the opposite. All right. No, I thought the joke was how Mac Jones played this year. I thought that was the joke. Not very, not very well. He did not play very okay. well. Okay. All right. Do you think Bill Belichick is ready to move on for him? Tommy Curran, who covered the Pats for decades, revealed on As w- plugged in as anybody is with the New England Patriots, by the way. He was on WEEI. And he revealed that Coach Belichick was really not happy at Mac Jones for going outside the building for advice on how to run the offense. 
Here he is on NBC Sports Boston Pats Insider on WEEI. Just what's left over from Bill being agitated at Mac for more than anything else. You know, the yelling and the gesticulations during the games was irritating enough. But Chris Sims alluded to this, and I heard it reaffirmed today. Going outside the building for counsel as to, is this the way we're supposed to be doing this? That really pissed Bill off. And as we know, a betrayal of Bill's disloyalty, I think, in Bill's mind is almost worse than bad play. And Mac, even though you could say, well, it's ironic, the guy's trying to get better and he's wondering, are we supposed to be doing it this way and asking people around football about it? That effort to improve was showing up the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge contingent to Bill putting them in charge. And when Bill caught wind of it, he's still pissed about it. So I think a lot of that, um, how well are they going to be able to bury the hatchet on Mac's perceived and presumed disloyalty in doing that? And does Bill O'Brien rectify that or is Bill still itching to teach the kid a lesson? Curran also believes that Brian Hoyer was released because he was against the system like Mac Jones was. There's also a story that Belichick had shopped Mac Jones or at least looked into trading him. Chris, it is, I don't think, lost on many that in today's NFL, the only dinosaur in terms of style, the statue, the guy who can't move at all, mm-hmm. who's not from a previous generation, so, so guys have retired, but sure. not Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or someone like that. Yeah is Mac Jones, is the guy who's playing for Belichick, is the guy Belichick drafted. It fell to 15 to him in the draft, right? Mm. Nick Saban's guy, the whole thing. It, and it's, it, it strikes me that Belichick had all this success in a previous era of football yeah. with a certain kind of quarterback, and he now has a, that same style, though not nearly at the same level, yeah. in a league where – you can't do it anymore. Certainly not without a guy who's lights out, and that is not Mac Jones. That's Belichick the GM and Belichick the coach all rolled up into one, Chris. Well, we didn't know whether or not Mac Jones is capable of developing into that guy, and that's why I didn't think that it was the right idea for the Patriots to go with the experiment of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as these co-offensive coordinators. That absolutely made no sense for a coach who forged his identity and, and his resume on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to let him be a first-time offensive play caller and coordinator in year two of your quarterback? That just didn't make any sense. So I don't think it's out of pocket for Mac Jones to seek counsel outside of the organization and try to learn as much as he can because it's clear, based on what was happening in the building and in the quarterback room, that he wasn't getting what he needed. The guy regressed from year one to year two. That is a problem. Mac Jones was 28th in QBR, 14 touchdown passes to 11 interceptions. So forget about the skill position core being bereft of talent, not having any weapons on the edges. Forget about the offensive line concerns. Just focus in on what they're doing as an organization in terms of the infrastructure to develop the quarterback. And and it's clear that it was lacking. If it wasn't, you wouldn't have moved on and hired Bill O'Brien this offseason. So Belichick, in effect, told you he made a mistake by hiring Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator, and yet you're going to feel some kind of way about your second-year quarterback trying to find other ways to get better if what what Matt Patricia, the first-time offensive coordinator, is teaching him doesn't make sense to him. That's the part of this that I have a problem with Bill Belichick's authoritarian style because it doesn't lend itself to being able to ask questions or to question how he's doing things. And, Max, I'm a big believer in this. If what you're teaching 
and what you're doing is fundamentally sound, then it should be able to hold up to a line of questioning that your players have. And it's clear that what Belichick was doing on the offensive side of the ball with the scheme and how they were trying to teach it to Mac Jones doesn't hold up. All right. This is very interesting to me. And I want to, I want to, let's, let's dive into this. I think we can go deeper on it even. Okay. So his authoritarian style, you believe if you have fundamentally sound ideas, it could stand up to rigorous questioning. No doubt. Because it'll be consistent. You have nothing to hide, right? Exactly. But you, but authoritarian, this is the issue with the corrupting nature of power. It's the reason you need checks on power, because power itself is a corrupting influence, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is what like the, the Lord of the Rings movies are about. You know, a lot of popular culture even understands. Yeah, what's this. the adage? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. Power yeah. tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Bill Belichick has too much power in New England, and how does that manifest itself? We are on this just in. Hit show, 2 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. <laughs> Handsome host. And I'm there, I'm there between Damian Woody yeah. and Mike Tannenbaum. Mike T is a Belichick guy, you know, Parcells, Belichick guy. And, and, and Damian Woody played for Belichick. Mm-hmm. And they're going on and on about how Belichick, like how long is Belichick's leash in New England with Robert Kraft? He has a lifetime. You can never get rid of Belichick. Time out. Belichick is the type of dude to be like, don't tell me what you have done. Tell me what you're about to do. What can you do now? Why is it okay in the NFL you treat players like, yeah, they can't do it anymore. Bye. Yeah, but he's a big star. Bye. Like, I'm not, we're not paying you on what you've done. What, what are you yeah. about to do? Why is not, not the same thing for the coach or the GM or anyone? The only reason it would be different is because Belichick's got too much power. Well, it's not different, Max. And if you listen to Tom Curran last week during the owners' meetings, he said as much. He described the relationship between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick as icy. I, I mean, Robert Kraft stopped short in his commentary in response to what Belichick was telling fans about having confidence moving forward based on the last 20 or so yard years. Robert Kraft did not meet those comments very well. Like, he, he, he felt the way about that clearly, and he let his agenda be known that they need to be about the business of winning because having a 25-26 and 26 record when you include the playoff loss over the last three years just ain't good enough based on the standard that they've established over the last two Chris. decades. So don't sit here and talk to me about players trying to rest on their laurels when the head coach is using his laurels as a defense for what's happened in the recent past. I'm going to give him one out. Ready? Here's my one out What's for the Belichick. Out? What's the out? Here's the out. So, Mac Jones ain't it, right? Okay. You, you think Mac Jones is it? I don't know, You're going to win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones? I don't think? know. What I would you know. guess? Probably not when Me you too. consider the quarterbacks in that division. Me too. I, I say I agree. We're on the same page there. Okay. There's a quarterback available right now. The Pats have one of, are among the teams with the most cap room, over $20 million. There's a quarterback available right now who – I would say has more influence over the outcome of any one game, arguably than anyone who ever lived, but certainly among the top ever, which is Lamar Jackson, because I've seen him yep. with a fourth quarter lead in every single game he played this year, in spite of having <laughs> which is crazy, nobody yeah. around him. Yeah, it's crazy. in spite of having nobody around him. He's available. Here's the out for Belichick. Robert Kraft was asked about Lamar Jackson. He said, Belichick is the GM. If he's telling the truth, it's on Belichick. If Belichick does not have the handcuffs on, it's on Belichick because 
Shut up, everybody. You can go get Lamar Jackson. I'm not trying to hear, well, he can't compete with Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers and these guys because he only has Mac Jones. Because he could have Lamar Jackson. Unless there is, in fact, collusion going on in the NFL, that (laughs) Robert Kraft is a part of it, and, in fact, it is a lie when he says that it's up to Bill Belichick. He can go get Lamar. If that's the case... I can't blame coach, GM, Bill Belichick, because there's a guy available who would fix all of the Patriots' issues. If Bill Belichick had Lamar Jackson, that's in a division with Rodgers and Josh Allen. I'm telling you right now, they have the best quarterback in the division. How you like them, Apples? I'm with you on that, and they arguably would have one of the best defenses in that division. They're right there with the Jets eye to eye. So I'm with you. The only thing I would say is whether it's on the head coach or not in terms of them going after to get Lamar Jackson, it doesn't matter. Bill Belichick has got to win, whether that's with Mac Jones, the quarterback that he handpicked, or going after another quarterback that's available, i.e. Lamar Jackson. Belichick better win yeah. in 2023. Got to win a playoff ain't, game, dude. Ain't no, ain't no lifetime achievement awards in New England. Because, listen, as much as we talk about Bill Belichick, you know who else is worried about their legacy in Foxborough? Robert Kraft. Should the Jets consider drafting a quarterback in the first round? You heard me, right? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Chris Canty, in for Key and Jay. Should the Jets consider drafting a quarterback in the first round? <laughs> this is a little bit of a tricky question. It's a little bit, or I should say a trick question. Okay. I'll explain in a second. First, here's Mike Tannenbaum. ESPN NFL front office insider. And I'll give you a little background. Prepping to do this just in on the call with the producers, I told them, hey, I'm a Giants fan, and I like Daniel Jones a lot. I'm Mm -hmm. very impressed with Jones, and I don't know what his potential is. Like, I want to see him with these receivers and maybe even another alpha receiver. I I don't think he's going to be an elite quarterback, but I'm not ruling it out based on what I saw this year. Mm. But if Hendon Hooker's available, I don't care what the Giants need. I want them to draft Hendon Hooker. And if Daniel Jones works out, we have a good problem on our hands. And if he doesn't, boom, in a year or two, I got a guy who by that time be 31 years old, but a guy who'd be in his prime ready to go. And they said, it's funny you say that. Save that for the show. Mm-hmm. And I say it on the show. And Mike Tannenbaum says, you should have heard 
us on Get Up yesterday or this morning because this was yesterday. Like, yeah, we're doing this show. I don't know what they're saying on Get Up. Yeah. Well, this is what he said on Get Up about what the Jets should do at number 13. Draft Hendon Hooker, quarterback, University of Tennessee. Look, Aaron Rodgers, we know it's a short-term marriage. Hopefully it all works out. But they got to also build for the future. And Hendon Hooker, to me, when it's all said and done, has unbelievable upside. And ideally, he, he sits a year behind Aaron Rodgers. The quarterback position goes from a weakness to a strength. Chris, I would <laughs> – let, let me take it one step further. Okay. I would say any team that ha- has a quarterback who's not – a slam dunk, this dude's going to be elite quarterback. Yeah. If Hendon Hooker is sitting there, what's the draw? Oh, his age. Stop. It just doesn't mean he will have a very, like, a 15-year, 18-year. It might be yeah. a 10- or a 12-year career. But if not for the injury, which is not career-altering necessarily, to me, he's the guy with the fewest weaknesses. He's the guy I would say I would want to start right away. Yeah, Hendon Hooker is going to be the fifth quarterback off the board, and he's probably going to go somewhere in the latter part of the first round. I have no doubts about that, but to Mike T's point about the Jets taking him at 13, let me tell you what they're not going to do, take him at 13. You know why? Because you can't be half pregnant. They're about to give up multiple premium picks and pay a guy $60 million for a one-year proposition. You know what the Jets are thinking? We going for it. And we're going to use that first-round pick to bolster our roster to give Aaron Rodgers and this 2023 team the best chance that they can to compete for a championship. It doesn't make any sense to try to hedge for the future when you're going after Aaron Rodgers, a guy that, by the way, wants to get out of Green Bay because that organization did the exact same thing. They hedge for the future with Jordan Love rather than getting Aaron Rodgers some more weapons that could help him in the twilight of his career. So what Mike Tannenbaum is saying is asinine, it's ridiculous, and it shouldn't be a consideration at all. Your logic is sound, but I disagree with your conclusion. Okay. Because I would say that's all right, yes, 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 unless if you feel a special talent is available at a premium position, then to me, I'm not drafting for need anymore. Okay. To me, there's too much value. To me, Hendon Hooker fits that bill. You think about what the Panthers did. They packaged all this up and moved up to number one in the draft, and people are pretending like they don't know who they want to draft. If that's the case, I'm firing everybody. Like, if you do all that, you be- that better be because that dude, unless you really think there are three Hall of Famers at quarterback in this draft, right? Yeah. If Hendon Hooker doesn't get hurt, to me, that's Hendon Hooker. Like, like Bryce Young is, Ooh, Bryce Young is too little. I really like C.J. Stroud, but I don't know what his upside is. Oh, you know what the upside is. You saw it in the playoff game. You think I mean, uh, most Stroud's the, upside is top five quarterback mo- in the league? Most of the guys that played on that Georgia defense are going to be playing on Sunday. You so think, you saw him against NFL So you players. think Stroud is going to be there with Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and all those guys? I think Stroud, like has, Justin a chance, Herbert? I think Stroud has a chance to be. It all depends on who's going to be down there developing it. Better chance and than ba- Hooker? And based on, well, think about the staff that Carolina has assembled between Josh McCown, Frank Reich, and Jim Caldwell. I feel pretty damn good that they're going to be able to get the most out of whoever they draft at number one. If that happens to be C.J. Stroud, so be it. But, yeah, I feel good about what C.J. Stroud is bringing to the party based on what I've seen in a couple of his college games. So Damian Woody and Ryan Clark agreed with Mike Tannenbaum and me. Okay. Greeny, let's just say, didn't seem to. Here's Mike Greenberg, ESPN radio host, of course. Greeny follows this show. And get up. Listen to this. You're going to have Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. What could go wrong? 
<laughs> oh, yeah, everything. This is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Are you out of your mind? Canabelle, I, I, I want this man expelled not only from this conversation, but from all football conversations that are ever to come. Aaron Rodgers is going to lose his mind if the Jets draft Hendon Hooker, and you are in for this. You've made your bed. Sleep in it. Aaron Rodgers is the essence of easily aggrieved. Oh, and I'm not, I, can't even, I can't even sit like this. Are you, you want the Jets to take a quarterback in the first round now? We're just finally going to get Rodgers. You're going to piss him off before the whole thing even starts? <laughs> D-Wood, you're the biggest person. He's going to be mad. He's going to be frustrated. This is a disaster. I'm going to fight Damian Woody now. There's going to be a fight. With, with one arm. I mean, the last time they... That ain't going to be a long fight, by the way. The last that time... That ain't going to be a long fight between Greenberg The last and time they pissed off Aaron Rodgers, he won back-to-back MVPs. Maybe yeah. that's okay. And secondly, let's say he is so in such a way that you don't win the Super Bowl, but you have a loaded team, and then you have a... a, a, a actually, in his prime, because Hooker's old for a... You know, that's one of the yeah, reasons yeah, he yeah, would... Yeah. You know, then you have a guy. You're not reliant on the whims of Aaron Rodgers in the offseason when, let's face it, Chris... No matter how good they are, they probably don't win the Super Bowl because it's hard to do. Let's say they get to an AFC championship game and they lose, and then he decides, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'd like, trade me to whoever. You got a guy. Well, you say it's hard to do, Max, but we just saw two of the last three Super Bowl winners have their quarterback parachute in that offseason in the it's L.A. True. Rams and the Tampa to Bay To a ready-made team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's what the Jets have point. their eyes toward. And if you're going to pay a guy $60 million and not know if he's going to be your quarterback beyond that season, what you're telling me is that you're going for it. But here, listen, you don't even have to take my analysis of it. Just think about what Woody Johnson said at the owners meeting. As ridiculous as it sounds, Woody Johnson says, I have no patience. We're trying to win right now. Now, yeah. He's shown a lot of patience because they got the longest playoff drought of any yeah. team sport in North Woody America. Woody Johnson just cut the legs off of Joe yeah. Douglas trying to do his job, yeah, exa- right? Exactly. Like, Good look, job, Woody. Look, look, we're trying to win this thing. We're going after Aaron Rodgers. And you know all of the things that come with Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think this is a situation where they're focused on using that 13th pick on a player that can help them this year. Oh, yeah. Not a in play, reality, not they a player that, can, that they're going to redshirt in Hendon Hooker. In reality, they ain't drafting no Hendon Hooker. Hell no, I'm just saying, if I Hendon ran Hooker. the zoo, said young Gerald. But you got to decide what you want to do, Max. Do you want to win now or do you want to have a window of sustained both. success? I want both. Yeah, well, you can't have both sometimes. I, yes, I can. You're Who are you to tell me Jets. I can? You can't have nice things. That's, why, that's right. That's why I don't root for the Jets. Major League Baseball changed the rules. And a lot of people are happy with the rules changes. Are they right, KJM? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call click or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. This would be like the NBA taking the three-point shot and putting it in. Too much time, he's out. The game just ended on a pitch clock violation.
Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max were presented by Progressive Insurance. Chris Canty in for Key and Jay today. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB insider, joins us and is brought to you by Beacon. Beacon and Beacon Pro Plus apps help roofers get things done from anywhere. 24-7. Beacon, always building. Max, Buster, Max, can, right I, now? can I say this? What it is the right coldest walk-up song for any of our guests. Come on, man. Buster, we <laughs> love you. We gave you Buster Rides coming in today because I know you coming in hot. Buster, what it is what right it now. Is, what it is. All what right. it is, what it is. <laughs> what it is right now is, I got to tell you something. These rules changes, Chris and I were talking about, I guess this was last week. Right? Was this yeah, it was last week. week. Yeah. It was last week. You know, we the, the most week. efficient way to play baseball, three true outcomes, is just not good for the consumer. I feel like I got bait. Like, they went into the future to give me baseball back. What, what has your, been your impressions of the rules changes so far? Yeah, that, uh, I mean, big picture from 30,000 feet, uh, it's fantastic. You know, you're talking about uh, the average time of game being reduced by 25 to 30 minutes. Just talking with Robbie Grossman of the Texas Rangers the other day, and he mentioned from the player's perspective, you know, as time goes along, having that time off your feet, not standing around waiting for, you know, the pitcher to get back on the rubber, uh, for the hitter to get back in the box. Over the course of his season, the players will really grow to appreciate that. Most of the players that I speak with um, like the rule changes. Most of the staffers, managers that I speak with like the rule changes. They do. They are having these small issues. Uh, from here or there, like with Manny Machado yesterday, getting ejected by Ron Culpa. But generally speaking, I think Major League Baseball is getting exactly what it, it designed when it affected these changes. And I wanted to get into that a little bit with you, Buster, because you can make the argument that it cost the Padres an opportunity to get that win against the Diamondbacks. And for Ron Culpa and Manny Machado to get into it, Manny thought he called for time. Culpa thought otherwise. They had words. They bounced him out of the game. Is this a prelude of – more of that to come, or is this just going to be an isolated incident when we look back on how the implementation of the rule changes with the pitch clock came in and how it affected the game? Yeah, Chris, I I think this is uh, a situation where we're going to see some of this early in the year and then gradually it'll dissipate as everybody adjusts, not only the players, not only the managers, but the umpires. Mm. You know, the first exhibition game that we did uh, on ESPN – Andy Fletcher was the home plate umpire, and there was a, a call at home plate. We weren't sure what happened with it, and so I went out between innings and asked him, hey, we were trying to figure out what, uh, what occurred, and he goes, you know what, I'm trying to figure it out too. And he went and spoke with the other umpires, came over to me, said, it was my mistake, here's what should have happened on that play. I've spoken with so many umpires who will tell you they're learning how to deal with this too. I, I do wonder, in that situation yesterday, Ron Culpa with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, looking at the replay, he might say, you know what? I should have granted Manny Machado time. I should have had more leeway rather than uh, execute a strike three because he did have his hand raised. It's a learning curve for everybody as they put these in, and I think mistakes are going to be made. I thought yesterday it was a mistake by Ron. Yes, right. And by the way, they could still tweak the rules. If, for example, no one ever gets thrown out stealing a base, you got to figure that out with the bases and all that. But, and by the way, Buster, it bothers me that they had to change the rules about the shift because hitters would stubbornly just not try to – weren't good enough at beating it. And yet the fact remains at a certain point, you got to give the consumer a product that's more consumer-friendly. Yes. They did it. Batting averages ought to rise, right? Certainly stolen bases are, are happening left and right now. 
And as Chris put it, the, the, the action is back in the game, right? I mean, like, is, it, so is that a consensus that you're hearing? Is that fans have responded? Because anecdotally, it seems that way. A hundred percent. Look, uh, in the presentation that Major League Baseball did with uh, reporters in spring training, you know, they noted that they determined that a ball was being put in play uh, once every four minutes. You know, they expected after they did the rules changes that it would go down to one every two and a half minutes, which makes sense. If you're going to cut, you know, the 30 minutes of game time, 25, 30 minutes of game time they're cutting out is pure fat. There's still 20, uh, 54 outs. There's still nine innings being played. It's just that there's less standing around. You mentioned the stolen bases. More than double in the first days of this season compared to last year. Yeah, you expect the batting average is going to go up. There's more stuff to watch. I, uh, my son, for me, 18 years old, is a great focus group of one because he's crazy about sports. He ingests it all the time. In past years, when I've asked him to sit and watch baseball games with me, he says flat out, no, too slow. Now he's watching. Not only is he watching more baseball, but he's watching, like, from pitch to pitch to pitch. Tim Kirkjian was the first one to say this to me when we had that first exhibition game in spring training on television. You can't take your eyes off it because you might miss something because the action is ongoing. You know, you, you know it, it felt like in recent years – you know, Pedro Baez could throw a pitch and then you could like channel surf and then come back before he threw his next pitch. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. It, and, and sometimes this, it, you're like you don't realize you're, you're conflating a couple things, but like you unpacked it. On the one hand, you are, you are kind, it's kind of like listening to a podcast on 1.5x, right? Like you're getting the same stuff, but it's compressed now. You, and that, that's the kind of culture we're in. We want it more, faster. But also... In that same 54 outs, there's more stuff happening. So yep. not only are you getting it faster, but more you're getting more stuff compressed into it. 100%. No doubt about it. Talking with ESPN Baseball Insider Buster Olney on KJM. And Buster, before we let you go, I got to get to this question. What the hell is happening with the Mets? 20 consecutive innings of scoreless <laughs> baseball? They've got outscored 19 to nothing in the last two games against the Brewers. Max Scherzer gives up three consecutive home runs yesterday, the first time in his career since 2017. Just what the hell is going on out there? <laughs> well, you know, I, I could play, uh, you know, Captain Even Keel and say it's a long season and, uh, you know, every team's going to go through a five-game stretch like this and it'll be fine because the Mets have a lot of good players. And I believe that to be the case. However, and I think that, you know, going into the year, um, the biggest concern for the Mets was the age in their starting rotation, which was inherent when you invest in, you know, 40-year-old Justin Verlander starts the year on the injured list. When you have Max Scherzer, age 38, Carlos Carrasco, Max Scherzer now in his last 10 starts, if you go back to last August, is a 4.68 ERA. Uh, Carlos Carrasco the other day, average fastball velocity was down by two, two and a half miles per hour. No one should write these guys off and say, okay, you know, the, the, this is the beginning of the end. But the fact is, is that this is inherent when you have a rotation that is this kind of age on it. I've also seen a lot of starting pitchers, especially older guys, build velocity early in the season and bounce back. And that might be where we, where we are with Max and with Carlos Carrasco, with Verlander in another month. Meantime, Yankees are going to get Severino and Rodon and, and Montas at some point. Oh, I like that staff. Anyway, that's a story for another day. I didn't like her mind <laughs> yesterday, though.
<laughs> well, listen, I, I don't know if you ever heard about it, but sometimes uh, pitchers have been around the league. Herman's been around for a few years now. They need to build velocity. You ever hear, you ever talk to Buster <laughs> only about this? We're building. you, Chris Canty. Thank you, Buster, Thanks, as Buster. always. Thanks, guys. NBA MVP race over. We ask Doc Rivers. Next, Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max were presented by Progressive Insurance. Chris Canty in for Key and J today. And we are joined now by the head coach, or in a moment, we'll be joined by the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. My, my favorite to go to the NBA Finals out of the Eastern Conference. Really? Yeah. Max, I've been saying this for a month now. I've been saying it for a month Maybe now. on Canty and Carlin. I've been saying it for a month now, Not Max. on Keyshawn J. Will I Max, come in you studio haven't... with you every single week. But for whatever reason, you have not said the Sixers. And oh, I could... my gosh. Hold Here on. we go. Yates and Pat, Here we go. they're Philly fans. They're, they're Sixers. Yates, has he talked about Sixers or his favorite on this show? No, he has. He's been, he's been rocking with Embiid. Shut up, Thank you. Shut up, shut up, Yates. Thank you. <laughs> it's not my fault that the driver of the show doesn't listen to what the hosts have to say. Well, it's not or my the fault. Have to say. It is my fault. No, you no, don't listen, Max. Because, Damn. Because, Max, it's because yeah. you're, well, you're busy worrying if Canty's going to show up on time. Wow. Here you go, Nuno. I don't know, Kent. Nuno, for a guy that's a Giants fan, hey, really yo. a lot of shade, man. I don't understand. Yeah, he did win us a Super Bowl. Exactly. He's part of that team. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that. All right. Nuno now. doesn't miss an opportunity to take a shot at me, by the way. I've noticed that. Yeah. You know who else doesn't miss shots? Joel Embiid. <laughs> oh, that's quite the uh, quite the transition. Doc Rivers, Philadelphia 76ers head coach with us now. Morning, Doc. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing uh, doing well. Maybe not as good as you this morning uh, after that performance by Joel Embiid yesterday. Doc, he is he was already performing at a very high level, right? but he seems to have taken another step this year. He's having an historically great scoring season. When you think about the overall package as a true seven-footer who could play back to the basket, who plays both sides, probably the most skillful who ever lived at this point, right? When you think of all the things he can do, what changed with it? Like, what, what do you attribute to? What do you attribute his growth as a player, even year over year right now? I would say wanting to win. You know, I think that's all players. Uh, That's where it starts. Uh, Great players are never satisfied. You know, I've said that my entire playing and coaching career. Uh, They want to keep getting better. Joel wants to win, and he believed he had to do things better. Uh, He thought he needed to be a more efficient scorer. 
Uh, this is also in his, uh, his best passing year. Uh, his assists are way up. Uh, his scoring is way up. He's going to lead the league in scoring back-to-back years. Uh, his reboundings are up. And more importantly, defensively, I think this is the best year of the three years that I've had him. He's gotten better each of these three years. And this is by far his, his most dominating defensive year. As many game-winning shots that Joel Embiid has made for the Sixers this year, he's made game-winning, game-winning blocks uh, just as many. Uh, to me, that's what separates him from everyone else. There's no doubt about it, Coach. And a couple of things stood out from last night's game. The playmaking down the stretch the last five minutes by Embiid when the game was still in the balance was just incredible, finding P.J. Tucker in the corner a couple of times, but then being able to take Grant Williams off the bounce. But I think you've touched on something that not a lot of our listeners and viewers pay a lot of attention to, and that's his impact on the defensive side of the court. I'm going back a couple of weeks to that Dallas Mavericks game. He's challenging lobs at the rim. He's hedging on Luka Doncic. You just don't see bigs in today's game have that type of impact on the defensive end. Even the back-to-back MVP in Jokic doesn't have that impact on the defensive end. Just talk about his value to this team's success, not only in the regular season, but hopefully in the postseason, based on what he brings to the table defensively. Yeah, he's done everything you've asked him to do from a coaching standpoint. When I, when I got the job, we said and talked about winning plays, making winning things, trusting your teammates. Uh, you know, last night was the ultimate trust. This guy is on fire. He's 20 for 25, and he's throwing the ball to P.J. Tucker and other guys for, for big shots. Uh, his, his block shots at the rim. You know, we switch out with him. Uh, now, this guy is, you know, whatever amount of pounds, he's, he's seven plus, and he's switching on guards at the end of games. Uh, he has literally done everything that we've asked him to do to give us a chance to be a winning basketball team. Talking with Philadelphia 76ers head coach Doc Rivers on KJM. And, Doc, just looking ahead a little bit, uh, the Boston Celtics are the team that represented the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. Right now, they're the two seed. In the Eastern Conference, you guys are the three seed, you know, moving past the first round. And I don't want to get ahead, get too far ahead, but a lot of the fans are looking at this potential matchup with the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And this is a team that up until last night you guys hadn't beaten. They were 3-0 and going into last night's game. How important was it for your team to get that win from a confidence standpoint, knowing that this could be a team that you eventually match up with in the second round of the playoffs? Well, you know sports. Obviously, it's nice to win. Um, but if you don't, when the playoffs start, it's still new. Uh, mm. And nothing in the past really matters. But it doesn't hurt your, your psyche to win a game against them. Uh, you know, having said that, uh, we have so much. We have to focus on getting through the first round first. And, and then whoever is there. Uh, we, we got the Celtics. We got Milwaukee. Uh, the East is tough, man. It, it really is. And that's okay. I, you know, to win a title. It shouldn't be easy, uh, and the East has made it tough for everybody. Doc, let me ask you a question about um, talking to Doc Rivers here on KJM ESPN Radio. Chris Canty in for Key and Jay. Let me ask you a question about playoff basketball and taking the next step as a coach in, in this NBA. So you received a lot of criticism, including, you know, I've mentioned it on this show, that you played an all-bench unit in the playoffs where usually coaches will shorten their rotations in the past. And Ben Simmons took a lot of heat in that series, and so did you in the aftermath, certainly locally. Is that something you would do again in these playoffs, or do you think that's something you can't do, play an all-bench unit in the playoffs? Do you need to shorten the rotation? Well, it really really depends on your team. 
Uh, it really does. Everyone has different teams. You know, I did the same thing with the Boston Celtics, and we won a title and got to the finals. So it all depends on the type of team that you have, uh, you know, and, and the injury situation. And, the, you know, what people miss, and especially in this day and time, I had a the major issue in, in uh, with the Clippers and Ty uh, uh, is having the same issues is with these time things that, that they're giving coaches, you know. So it really depends on – the health of your players and the type of team that you have. Uh, I don't think this is a team that will play an all bench unit. Uh, you know, I, I would say this Maxi, Tobias, Joel, or James, for the most part, will always be on the floor. That's basically what we've done all year this year. Coach, last night you proclaimed that the MVP race is over and your guy, Joel Embiid, is the winner. I said it was over. Award. It's over. It's over. It's, it's over. Over. <laughs> over. The channel, my inner Vince Carter. But what made you say that after that performance last night? Honestly, I was sitting there towards the end of the game and, and thinking this is a team uh, that is a second seed that went to the finals last year. Uh, both teams wanted – it was a competitive game. So it wasn't one of those games where Joel was in just trying to get numbers. We needed every number. We couldn't make a shot uh, last night other than Joel. Uh, James made shots as well, you know, and then tugged down the stretch. And so we needed every one of them. It, it, the 52 points were huge. Uh, the efficiency, 20 for 25, the rebounds, the assists, uh, the game-changing shots defensively. You know, you're sitting there as a coach, and you say, this is what an MVP looks like to me. And so that's why I said it. And and what else helped me say it, I guess, is when we walked in the locker room, all the players were – we're saying it, so uh, it, it was almost it was almost like you better go out here and say this, coach, because it's true. Well, Doc Rivers, who to me, to my mind, Chris, that was my favorite point guard. Mark Jackson and Rod Strickland and Harper, but the dude who I felt was the guy's like, ooh, this this team right now. Now we just need a two guard so John Starks can come off the bed. That was it. Was Doc Rivers? Yeah, <laughs> appreciate that, Doc. Hey, best of luck, Doc. Well, going I, was, forward. I was a bo- I was a boxer. Hey, Max, I was yeah. a boxer playing basketball. I that's, think you would like. That. Of course, that's exactly right, Doc Rivers, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Good luck, Doc. More K Jam coming up. 